it gives me an option to stop recording. So mm-hmm. we should yeah. now be recording, which is cool. Is- so I'm going to click on the chat so I can see the script. Welcome to the name is funny. Now, how do you want me to read this? Do you want me to read this like, or no, no, just be yourself, whatever, whatever you think sounds good. Like, so for my part, when it gets down to my part, as Michael Sims here to guide you through the realms of spine chilling horror, where fear becomes a palpable presence, together we will embark on a journey that will leave you trembling in your seats and questioning the very essence of what lurks in the darkness. So, I mean, a little inflection, you know, just for the mm-hmm. opening of the show, and then the rest of the time we'll just be ourselves. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, all right. No. All right. Let's give this a shot. Let's see. <clears throat> Take a sip of a drink. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Pam, you ready? Spooky music fades in. <clears throat> Good evening, dear listeners, and welcome to Scared Shitless, uh, the podcast that plunges you headfirst into the depths of terror, where the shadows hold secrets and nightmares come alive. Uh, I'm your host, Slinky Jallo, uh, a connoisseur of all things macabre. And with me is my esteemed co-host. As Michael Sims, here to guide you through the realms of spine-chilling horror, where fear becomes a palpable presence. Together, we're about to embark on a journey that will leave you trembling in your seats and questioning the very essence of what lurks in the darkness. Um, We've delved deep into the crypts of cinema, the pages of spine-tingling tales, and ah, I messed that up. And even explored the uncharted territories of the human psyche, uh, bringing you the most bone-chilling stories and discussions. Each episode will unravel the mysteries behind the legends, dissect the minds of horror's most diabolical characters, and venture into the realms where unexplained becomes reality. Uh, Let's see. Expert ghastly reviews, sinister theories, and hair-raising interviews with the masterminds behind your favorite horror flicks will leave no tombstone unturned. So, dear listeners, whether you're a seasoned survivor of the macabre or just dipping your toes into the haunted waters, Scared Shitless promises to be an odyssey that will grip you from the first blood-curdling scream to the very last chilling whisper. So join us if you dare as we navigate the labyrinth of fear. And remember, in the dark corners of the world, there are things that defy explanation, and they're waiting for you. Welcome to Scared Shitless. <laughs> that's awesome i dig it i don't know i don't know i mean yeah it, it's it's fun it's kooky it's corny it's whatever but it's all good um, it's good to have something like that in the fucking like just good to have it because then if you change your mind yeah. or you don't or whatever you know you can always get to it um but yeah we had like 15 different intros to the show <laughs> so yeah, sorry, Pam started grabbing the, the speaker cord there. I was like, oh, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope gotta go. So, um, 
Yeah. All right. Uh, back all right. Well, let me let me copy paste this suggested format for the review or I guess retrospective. Really, it's not not quite a review because we're not looking at it critically to like cut it mm. to pieces, or whatever. But just kind of you know, it's a show. So there we go. Talk about what makes this happen. Uh, yeah, had the uh, documentary on earlier. Um, it's uh, it's all about Jason. Introduction, welcome to brief review. <clears throat> now, are do you want to do spoilers? Like as we talk about the movie, I mean the movie's forty three years old. Yeah, so like yeah, for movies like this, the older stuff, I don't think we need to quite worry about it so much so yeah so here we are this podcast um i'm mike with me as always is slinky and hey. uh this is our very first episode so i'm pretty stoked uh we're gonna be covering friday the fucking 13th <laughs> this is a titan man this is uh it's probably my favorite yeah no it, it has to be my favorite slasher movie um but there's a lot of stuff to it which is why it's my favorite slasher it's not just you know oh yeah i like that one by the way but uh there's tons of reasons why i like this one um so yeah um <laughs> yeah i mean you know why did it, so i mean right right so you and i got together we decided we're gonna do this podcast and you know we're putting our heads together we're like what the hell are we gonna do first and you're right, everybody and their uncle does Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, but it just had to be Friday the 13th for me because I don't think any other horror franchise has been so profoundly effective uh, in my lifetime uh, on me, on my friends, on the horror community. Um, you know, it's just so freaking iconic. Um, and I have memories going back to my very young childhood uh, probably seven or eight years old uh first time i was exposed to this now i'm pushing 50 um i did not see it in the theater but uh, you know i, I do, am friends with a lot of people around my age who did um but it was one of those that time it came out my parents had stopped going to the drive-in and smoking weed and like let me watch movies i shouldn't so um, I had to wait, unfortunately, until probably about 85 before I saw it. And I watched it for the first time uh, completely through on an old VHS tape where a neighbor of mine had recorded the first four movies on VHS. And I watched them all back to back by myself. And, yeah, it scared the living shit out of me. But yeah. it wasn't my first exposure to it. Uh, my The first time I saw anything to do with it, I was probably about seven or eight. And it was Siskel and Ebert at the movies uh, giving their review. And, uh, of course, Ebert did not like it. You know, he was posturing for the for the Christian right at the time, I guess. And, you know, you said something about how he actually what he uh, doxed Mrs. Pamela Voorhees. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I, I never saw the review he did for uh, Friday the 13th, but apparently he put Betsy Palmer's address up on the screen during the review or after or whichever. Oh my and God. He was promoting people to like 
I guess, write her strongly worded letters and, you know, kind of give her wow. shit about because, you know, I mean, it's Betsy Palmer. She was a well-respected actress um, at the time. So I was exposed to this movie um, again as a kid. The first thing I ever saw that had anything to do with Friday the 13th was um, part six late at night on like Showtime. Uh, my mom went out with her friends and my babysitter fell asleep. So I was it was like two in the morning and I was watching Friday the 13th part six. Shouldn't I? And um, but not long after that, I was, was probably eight or nine. Went to the video store and rented every one down the list or down the the row. At the nice. Uh, my mom was pretty lax when it came to watching stuff on TV because she knew. Well, once you knew I wasn't an idiot, I wasn't going <laughs> to like you know. Right. I, I knew it was entertaining. Why are you killing all the neighbors? Yeah, exactly. I showed him Friday the Thirteenth. Oh God, oh geez. And um, so yeah, you know. Plus, I I like to tell people uh, Betsy Palmer was my or Mrs. Voorhees was my babysitter back in the day because I used to watch the movie <laughs> and like you know if they ever came on TV or whichever I always check them out. Um, yeah, part one is iconic to the point that every Halloween you can always count on seeing one kid at least one at the bare minimum dressed up like Jason. Um, it's it's part of our our culture i think now and uh it's certainly a rite of passage i think when it comes to you know kids teens of a certain age um but yeah i love this movie man it's uh it's very agatha christie like in the way it's set up you know she's a favorite author of mine and uh it's it's just a whodunit for the most part because it has a built-in lore when you watch it you know it's, it's you hear the backstory and you get to bear witness of to one of the incidents that kept the camp closed for so long, uh, you know, when the movie starts. But, yeah, it's it's whatever. But, yeah, we were both pretty young when we saw this movie. And, uh, you know, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, at the movies, you know, I, I watched it all the time when I was young. Um, but actually, before I saw the part one uh, review I had actually been exposed to some Friday the 13th stuff. I was in probably third or fourth, probably third grade. And some kids at school were talking about uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. And I had seen commercials for it on TV. And somebody drew the hockey mask. And I just, like, started obsessing over it because there's just something freaky about that damn mask. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I had no idea what the movie was about or what these kids were talking about. I just knew that there was a mask involved and there was some guy running around killing people uh, with a hockey mask. Um, and I mean, when you say serial killer, Jason's not even technically a serial killer, right? But when you say serial killer in public, uh, nine times out of ten, somebody will hold up a hockey mask. You know, it's associated now with horrible death and killers. Um, you know, I was watching something with my son the other day. He's four years old. It's a little video called Dumb Ways to Die. Yeah. Um, and one, one of them is about a psycho killer inside. And the little cartoon is just a little guy with a hockey mask on and, and a Freddy glove, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what we associate with psycho killer, you know, is the hockey mask. And, and to a lesser extent, you know, Freddy's glove. But uh, And then chainsaws, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I had already seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the theater. I had seen Halloween, 
Um, mm-hmm. But I think the mystery of Friday the 13th made it that much more compelling to me because I didn't know what it was about. I mm-hmm. hadn't seen it. And so by the time I got around to watching it, my only exposure to it um, was just hearing about it, seeing little pieces, bits and pieces of it here and there. So I was super intrigued. But then I had watched during that Siskel and Ebert review the scene where Annie uh, gets picked up by Mrs. Voorhees in the Jeep. And it was so freaking scary. Like, it literally stuck with That's, me my yeah, whole life. terrifying, like, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, you knew right off the bat that's probably the person responsible for what's been going on there. Um, but, yeah, up until this movie came out, Friday the 13th was just associated with bad luck. And uh, before that, you know, way back in the day, the Knights Templars, because that's when uh, the King of France called forth for them to be murdered, um, you know. So it was just Friday the 13th was just kind of don't walk under ladders, don't break a mirror, you know, black hats and cracks in the sidewalk. This movie, uh, this started, well, now this started, it's Halloween started the every kind of holiday thing. We have a killer. Uh, killing co-eds and stuff but um this is a this is a big one this one's very notorious because i think again up to that point texas chainsaw didn't show any blood um very little halloween you know black christmas none of those showed it was none of them were gory none of them were like kind of showing stuff in your face this one no axes in the head Yeah. yeah yeah Um, this one had Tom Savini doing the effects and, uh, he's the guy that's like, oh, in your face, you know, uh, you want to see some, some kills, here you go. Um, so they're just right front and center in the camera. Um, but yeah, this, man, I don't even know where to begin on this movie. Well, so historical context, right? You, you brought up the fact that Halloween had already come out. Halloween was kind of inspired by Black Christmas. Um, which I that tripped me out when I found out it was the same guy who directed a Christmas story. <laughs> like, oh, right, he just really right. likes Christmas as a theme. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I guess uh, apparently somebody had told Sean Cunningham that they wanted a movie like Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was he hired Victor Miller, said, Hey, give me a movie like Halloween. You know, I saw it, it's scary. Uh, we're gonna make some money. So Mm-hmm. You know, and people downplay Victor Miller because they're like, oh, well, he was brought in at the last minute to throw this thing together to rip off Halloween. Um, but I'm a writer and I say, no, shut the fuck up. He <laughs> is a writer. He used his life experience and his skill to make a hell of a story. And if it wasn't for the mystique and the story, the original story, um, there would be no Friday the 13th because, you know, it was a mystery. It was a vengeance tale. Jason was a character, um, you know, even though Tom Savini kind of added him later, you know, she had a motivation to do what she was doing because of Jason. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think Victor Miller deserves all the credit that he gets, uh, more credit than he gets. I think he deserved to win the lawsuit. I think he deserves money uh, for his part in developing that story. Um, but that's not to take anything away from Cunningham either, you know, who kind of stuck with it and, you know, over the years made it his thing, you know, it was his baby. So yeah, I, I, I can see it from both sides, you know. I know. Um, yeah, no, I, I give a lot of credit to Victor Miller just because I think he said one time that he was uh, writing about the mother he never had. 
because I guess his mom growing up, you know, which I'm not sure about it, but not, uh, couldn't give a shit. So he he wrote, you know, Mrs. Voorhees in as a she. I mean, she's defending defending i guess uh she's you know getting revenge getting her pound of flesh if you will for uh them not paying attention to her kid and her kid you know drowns because of it um that's one of the reasons i like the movie so much is because it's in a weird fucked up way she's trying to stop you know other parents from possibly suffering the same fate you know like she doesn't want them to feel what she had to go through and all this stuff so it's like yeah i, I can dig that man that's one of the reasons i like the movie so much is because it's, it's like well it's just showing you uh mother a mother scorned you know she can go from apple pie to um i'm gonna cut your head off just you know and she told everybody yeah watch, i mean she's watch, she's got to you know, be in the top three to three or five you know horror mothers of all time right so yeah. you got norman bates's mom you got the alien queen but, i mean this is where he's just right in there I mean, she may be number one you know just the ultimate horror mob you know yeah yeah i always wish her a happy mother's day so it's just, <laughs> <laughs> you know um and like it's what a perfect setting because you know victor miller even says that too it's like you know i have to put these kids where they are in inaccessible you know they're cut off from the world um and it's i went to summer camp i you know a lot of people are yeah and that's something camp. i wanted to talk about a little bit too is like why is it so appealing why does it have this mass appeal and how did it get so big so quickly and i think a lot of it has to do with you know a lot of us most of us when we were kids uh we either went to summer camp or we knew of it and spent time around it camping with our parents you know and so yeah. camping is like an american institution and yeah. i can't think of a movie before friday the 13th uh was did meatballs come out before friday the 13th maybe uh, but like yeah. another movie that you know captures uh what it's like to go to camp you know and to turn that into a fucking horror movie was brilliant you know yeah. it was like what jaws did going to the beach you know it was mm -hmm. friday the 13th uh, you know, and movies in cabins and woods started getting very popular after that, you know, um, you know, summer camp movies, uh, this, had yeah, another this boom after the summer that. camp subgenre, you know, cause then you got yeah, sleep, sleep away. Camp, camp, yeah. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, it really had a, a profound effect on our culture, um, you know, and on horror movies in general. So, like, the horror genre in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, they were very smart to get Tom Savini on board because he had kind of shown up and kicked ass with Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, if you're going to have anybody working on your horror movie, I would think, okay, he's got to be numero uno when it comes to the effects at the time period, you know. Uh, he's, um... yeah, I mean, yeah, it was his idea for Jason, right? To to put Jason in I, at the end and just have that fun. Yeah, up scared. Yeah, he flat out said because you know Carrie had come out before that, and at the end of Carrie, that's that's you know Brian De Palma did a great jump scare, you know at the very end of Carrie, the hand coming out of the grave and everything, and it's it yeah. sends you off on the last you ah you know then boom the movie's over. Um, I want to say Tom Savini said he used to walk by this like old bum in an alley and he was like, he had like this like weird hydrocephalic 
like messed up face and stuff. And so we based Jason off of him. Um, I guess the makeup effect, you know? Um, and so that's what it was. It was just like, Oh, well, let's, let's give him, you know, one more blah, blah, blah. So Jason was, I mean, yeah, he's the motivating factor. His death is motivating factor for Pamela, but he really wasn't that prominent or anything other than the end of the flick. And yeah, uh, yeah, then, well, they did. It made a bunch of money. So it's like, oh, well, let's utilize Jason for the sequel. And the continuity got all messed up. And that's that's another day. But (laughs) this one is by far my favorite, though. Um, Absolutely. it's so just, casting yeah. choices, um, Ari Lehman, of course, for the great Jason Voorhees. And, and we were talking about this the other day, how it's <laughs> kind of cool and funny at the same time that he has managed yeah. to make an entire career out of, you know, uh, literally less than 30 seconds, seconds of yeah. time. You know? <laughs> God bless him. God bless but, you him. you know, what yeah. else are you going to do? I mean, you know, he was, you know, he himself will tell you I'm not a great actor. You know, he's, he makes music. So he has a band called First Jason, first Jason. because he was the first Jason Voorhees. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he did a great job. You know, he was out there acting and suffering along with everybody else in the cold water and yeah, had to put up with all this nasty free. makeup on his face. So, and you know, you know, more power to him. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing you can never take away from him. He was the original Jason. So, hey, you know, get your stuff, dude. Get it. So I got no problems with it. Um, yeah, I check out his stuff when he puts out, you know, like The Barn, you know, he was in that, mm-hmm. um, just hamming it up, you know, and uh, of course he plays the keytar, which is hilarious, you know, <laughs> but he shreds on it, man. I mean, he's definitely yeah, got Yeah, I've seen, I've seen videos of him, man. He's, he makes that, he works yeah. that thing like a Game Boy. <laughs> it's not even funny. Um, so, yeah, no, um, everybody knows, you know, if if you don't know now, now you will know, uh, Kevin Bacon, He's he's the big the big star, I guess, that came out of this. Um, yeah, so I think it was his first movie. If not, it was one of his first. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, his death scene uh, is very scary. I mean, it stuck with me, <laughs> stuck with me for years. You know, the arrow coming up through his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his look of like, what the hell? Like when the blood starts dripping onto his face from the body over his head on the top bunk or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just scary as hell and he was charming, you know, good looking guy. So, I mean, it made sense that his career would take off, but I think he had some like insider connections too, or something either in Hollywood or the entertainment industry. It's like, he's related to some like successful people anyway. So that probably didn't hurt him, but, um, yeah, you could definitely see, you know, the potential there. His acting was natural and, um, you know, he had that Hollywood face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it is a little sad to me that he got so huge so quickly that he's not like part of the family of Friday the 13th like the rest mm-hmm. of them are like yeah. so you'll never see him at the conventions you know buddying up to you know Enos or well Enos is gone but you know like Ari mm-hmm. Lehman or anybody like that you know uh, but still it's very cool that you know somebody from this film went on to have a stellar career mm-hmm. so. um, it's, it's I was yeah because you know he's he probably is the best actor, you know, in the the film. Um, one thing, though, that this movie kind of set in place is. I want to say the bad acting that would come later. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> it, it was just like it, this. This movie is similar to um, 
Mario Bava's Blood and Black Lace and a lot of things. It was setting things up literally with a blueprint um, without even realizing, you know, of like what would the follow or what would come after this? Because this was the one yeah. that really people associate with the whole, um, you know, oh, if you have uh, premarital sex in the woods, you're going to die. Or, if, oh, don't smoke that reefer. Um, they, they really attribute Friday the 13th to that, setting that stuff up. Um, so, yeah, this film was doing crazy stuff before, you know, it was even thought of or looked at that way. Um, yeah, I don't <laughs> – what else? Well, uh, Kevin Bacon's the, – the thing. The first thing I think of when, when I hear the name Kevin Bacon is Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, um, yeah. And I do recall at one time having to use Friday the 13th as a link – uh, because somebody threw like truly temple at me and I was like, Oh shit. Um, you know, how am I going to link Kevin Bacon back to Shirley temple? So I kind of cheated a little bit, but she was in a, uh, cartoon with Donald duck back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then Donald duck, you know, who I said, I can use him as a character. If you're going to throw fucking Shirley temple at me, yeah, uh, was yeah. in uh, who framed Roger rabbit, uh, with like Christopher Lloyd. Uh, who was in such and such. And then I traced it all the way back to, oh, Crispin Glover somehow. Um, and then Crispin Glover was in part four with Jason, yep. uh, who was in part one with fucking, you know. So it was like I was cheating <laughs> like crazy, but I was going to oh. use fucking Kevin Bacon in Friday the 13th, damn it. Hey, you managed um, to use Kevin Bacon and dead fuck dance moves in the same thing. So fucking that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that's just, I, I'll always call it Crispin Glover. Um, yeah. Andrea King is gorgeous. Uh, she has mm-hmm. aged very well, I think. Uh, she still looks yeah. very pretty for her age. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she was the greatest actress, and I think she would tell you the same thing. You know, she's you know not going to win any Oscars or anything, but she was a good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very young, you know, and, and you can tell the inexperience there. You know, it's like when I was watching her the other day, her movements. Um, she does a lot of the the hand flop thing. Like, oh, you yeah. know, like I'm moving, I'm acting, you know, <laughs> she flops her hands around a whole lot. You'll notice in that in that movie, especially near the beginning. But I think as the filming progressed, um, you know, she got more comfortable in her skin and, and it started to seem more natural, uh, especially towards the end. And you can't take that ending away from her at all. Like she really, uh, you know, seemed scared. Um, and if you're going to be a scream queen, you got to be able to look scared. Right. So, yeah, yeah. you got to own that final girl, you know uh persona kind of thing um, yeah yeah she went round round betsy palmer man or mrs Voorhees. so uh yeah you got to give her credit <laughs> definitely give her credit um yeah i haven't seen her in a whole lot else um i did see her in something recently well i saw her in a fan film um that she agreed to be in because uh, she liked the script i guess and so in that one she comes back and uh, kills mrs Voorhees again who somehow came back from the dead and um and it was fun it was goofy fun you know she has like a one-liner at the end or something um but i saw her in something else too recently by this who produced um shark exorcist but they actually had a budget this time and got adrian king to be in their movie and it was like a cop drama type thing with a killer and satanic mm-hmm. rights and shit and it was pretty freaky um and she she did all right you know she's uh, getting on in years but you could tell she's got some chops you know so i have a lot of respect for adrian king um, I was bummed out like a lot of other people when Deb Voorhees was putting together 13 fanboy 
and mm-hmm. Adrian King was supposed to be in it. And she ended up pulling out because like the script and the whole plot kind of was too close to home for her um, as far as getting stalked by, yeah, you know, yeah. a crazed fan. Um, I guess she'd gone through some shit over the years, you know, with that. So it sucks, you know, like some asshole out there stalked her and, you know, basically ruined it for everybody else. Cause she, she would have been amazing at 13 fanboy. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it sucks that fan, I'm not going to say horror fans. I'm going to say just super fans in general, um, you know, can go too far with that shit. Um, you know, get the fucking help you need, get on your meds, what, whatever the fuck you need yeah. to do, you know? You know, oh, I really have to give you this love knife. Um, I don't, you know, I don't personally understand it. It's uh, what is kind of, kind of, hmm. Um, Deborah Voorhees from part five, I guess she had a stalker herself. And it was kind of like, yeah. wow, the two actresses that had the stalker kind of thing, they're doing a, a film about, you know, like a way over the fan of the uh, series. So it's kind of like, oh, all right. But um, it's no Adrian King is horror royalty. Uh, always will be. You know she was kind of kind of goofy. You know, like you were saying at the beginning of the film. Uh, and they always thought something happened with her and Steve Christie because he's kind of weird. You know. Oh, he so was back. He was back, and yeah, he was macking hard. <laughs> <laughs> Does a little face caress, you know, after he helps yeah, her down yeah. the ladder or whatever. And then he tells oh, I really her look like this for her to come back out there. Yeah, yeah. He did last night. Like, what were you guys doing last night? What was going on? <laughs> uh, you know? Oh, we'll come out to the camp. Yeah, it was a different time. It was a different time period. So I don't know that if people watching that in the theater when it first came out would have even given that a second thought. It's just like, oh, yeah, he's kind of flirting with her or whatever. Um, so it's interesting, you know, looking at movies from yesteryear through today's lens. Um, yeah, he was a fucking creeper, you know, it's, it was kind of a hashtag me too moment, you know, but yeah, yeah. Eh, you know, it was a different time. That time is just banter just to get to the, yep. you know, the next set. Yeah. Cause we said, well, the same thing about Enos, you know, when he's helping Annie into the truck, he puts his hand right on her fucking ass, you know, yeah. <laughs> boosts her Double up barrel. there. Double barrel, you know, <laughs> so. But again, yeah, different time, man. You know, talking about the end of the 70s. Because apparently in 1980, there wasn't a Friday the 13th in the, uh, the calendar year. That was one of the years we didn't get one. So it's kind of funny. That's when this was set. It's set in the year of the what didn't have a Friday the 13th. Um, but yeah, you know. Little. Yeah, and I always, you know, I don't know how the math works out. Um, so she says, and today is his birthday. You know, I'm like, so wait a second. Friday the 13th is on a different day, like almost, you know, every time or whatever. So is it the same? Is it a Friday the 13th in 1950, whatever? Yeah. Um, and it just it happens just to June also 15? be, you know, the same exact date or whatever. <laughs> like, I, I, I wonder if somebody has sat down and, you know, figured out, you know, the calendar or whatever. But then, like you said, it turned out that there wasn't even a fucking Friday the 13th. Yeah, that year, was, so. Yeah. so it's like, is his birthday just June 13th or is it, you know, it's uh, yeah. again, and there was no way when they were coming up with this stuff back in the day that they would have had any kind of forethought that it was going to be analyzed and, you know, like just scoured over and just, you know, they had no idea it was going to be so prominent in, uh, you know, the annals of horror history, if you will. So it's like, 
yeah, they were just jotting, you know, Victor Miller's just jotting stuff down. Like, you know, okay, well, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, just goes to show you uh, the love that fans have for this flick, that they they do this stuff, you know, the whole fan fiction thing. Um, so, yeah, so, we've yeah. talked about yeah. Kevin Bacon. We've talked about Adrian King. Um, of course, we'll, we'll have to talk about Betsy Palmer. I mean, she was a classy lady by all accounts, you know, um, and did not like horror movies. Uh, but uh, what was it you were telling me? She wanted to buy a car, so she just she, was doing it for the money. Right? I think there's a, I, I want to say it's in the documentary. His name was Jason, I think. Um, but I remember reading something or hearing her give an interview and her Mercedes had broke down and I guess it was going to cost, I think, whatever, $8,000, I guess, to fix it. And her agent called her and said, hey, got this horror movie down in New Jersey. Uh, they'll pay you eight grand to come out and do it for however many days. And she's like, well, that's perfect. So she went down to New Jersey and filmed you know, at Camp Nobody Not Bosco. having any idea that it was going to be the thing that she'd be best remembered for, most remembered for. Yeah. Not um, and honestly, I haven't really seen her in anything else. You know, I know she did some other horror stuff later, yeah. um, you know, just because, you know, she was part of that community by then. But, um, yeah, I mean, and just an amazing actress, an amazing performance, you know. Mm -hmm. And she's sweet as pie when she shows up, you know, in the film and um yeah, I know because um, you know I'm from New Jersey, so that's one of the reasons I like this movie is because it's New Jersey and stuff. But my my grandmother and my mother met Betsy Palmer in a Macy's department store one day, and they said she was the nicest lady. You know, oh thank you, blah blah blah. And so they survived uh, an encounter with Pamela Voorhees. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> There's something to tell the grandkids, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My daughter loves that. She loves that story. Um, so, yeah. Um, and again, it's, you know, we talked about Tom Savini, but I, I wanted to add on to that. This is one of those movies where if you're into, like, special effects, makeup kind of stuff, this is like uh, this is like textbook kind of stuff. This yeah. is, uh, you know, because of Savini, of course. But, um, yeah, you know, let's... And, and Sean Cunningham, a lot of people don't realize, I guess, back in the early 70s, him and Wes Craven made a movie called Last House on the Left. And Oh, yeah. yeah. I they was, did a crap. Well, yeah. the remake wasn't terrible, but it was okay. <laughs> like, as you know, as a film and everything, it's like, uh, you know, wasn't the best thing. But uh, that's another big movie. You know, when it comes to horror and the two guys that are responsible for Freddie and Jason, you know, doing a horror movie together. That's pretty cool, man. Like, there's a lot of neat things that line up about this flick. Um, let's see. The camp itself, I always consider the camp a, a main character. Obviously, it's the setting, but that camp is really creepy. Um the way it's shot oh yeah my wife's brother was a scout leader and i don't know how true this is but he said that he was at that camp and the kids that went there had no idea where it was uh the significance of it and uh he showed him friday the 13th like freaking freak you know they i hope they were like older scouts you know but like he said yeah, he showed her the yeah. movie like oh my god you know 
I'd have been terrified. And so they're looking around all nervous and terrified, you know. They, oh, it's just a movie, you know. But talk well, about fucking a kid up for life. Mentioned this before when we used to go camping and stuff. Uh, there was always some dude, some kid had a Jason mask. And uh, even, you know, when I, the years I didn't go to summer camp, when we used to just go camping, period, at the campground, there was always some guy, some dickhead man, had a hockey mask and he tried to scare his girlfriend. <laughs> he ended up scaring like half the other campers and shit. Um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, but just a camp setting. I don't know. Um, the, what is it? They were pretty not friendly about the movie being shot there uh, during the 90s, I guess, because that's when fans would start climbing the fence and running out there and take pictures. And uh, they have since embraced. You know, they're. Uh, yeah, it's a whole uh, tourist trap now, you know, the whole yeah. area up there. Um, they have conventions and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <clears throat> and it's big stuff, man, because, I mean, they I guess the tickets go on sale and they get snapped up and then they or they raffle them off or something like that. But I, I've seen tickets for that event go for thousands of dollars and it's wow. So, yeah. Um, New Jersey, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I mean, when I think back to that, like I said, that first scene with Annie, um, with you know the Jeep driving in the backwoods, you know, it's like this claustrophobic feeling that you get surrounded by these trees on this narrow road. And I drove on those roads many times through the Pine Barrens, you know, Whiting and yep. um, South Jersey, especially. You know, just there's trees everywhere. And, uh, yeah, it gets a little spooky, you know, something could jump out at you and, you know, mm-hmm. there's deer all the time that jump out at you. It could be somebody hiding back in the woods doing who knows what, you know, there's <laughs> the Jersey devil, right? That's the legend yeah, that yeah, comes from that devil. area. Old mother. Leeds, um, yeah. You know, that's right where that takes place. So it's funny. You uh, said very cool. Jersey, that they filmed in Jersey. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there is, there's trees everywhere. Like when you grow up in South Jersey you kind of grow up in the woods, man. Like, cause like you said, there's trees everywhere. Like, uh, you can get lost in somebody's backyard walking from the shed to the house. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, uh, been to a lot of people's houses growing up, uh, farmland, it's a lot of farmland and it's surrounded by woods. So yeah, it's, you know, it's just the setting. Absolutely. Um, that's why I'm hoping that when they do Crystal Lake and you, you read like the little treatment that I did, you know, of uh, the prequel for, you know, Friday the 13th, you know, what was it like, you know, decades and decades and decades ago, you know, when Pamela was a little girl, you know, I'm really hoping that they kind of explore that and explore that area and we get to find out who the Christies are and, you know, just all of the cool, like, loosely related stuff but stuff that fans are going to recognize and want to know about you know um i really hope they don't fuck it up but you know hope springs eternal see the treatment yeah exactly um the treatment thing that you wrote um i i'm a huge fan of that man i I really like how you uh sorry how you uh brought everything together it's um it's it's just like uh, it's hard to it's hard to describe. It ties up a lot of loose ends and explains a lot of things, and um, it kind of does its own thing too. But it makes sense what comes down in the films later on, like you know, Jason goes to hell. Um, 
it's just really, really well done. And it stinks knowing that you wrote that. And then now we're waiting for this prequel show. Cause it's like, I, <laughs> I don't have high hopes for it, man. I really don't. Cause they just, uh, it's. Yeah. For, what I tried to do was bring back some of the story, like an actual story, you know? And yeah, yeah. if the writing isn't good, man, it's, it's gonna, I don't know. It's going to disappoint a lot of people. The writing has to be good. Um, yeah. You have to have that mystique of the first four movies, you know, that lore, um, especially in the first movie that set everything up, you know. And so if you're going to go back and do some kind of prequel, um, you know, give some love to those details and like make it interesting and show motivation for things. You know, the motivation for Pamela to be killing everybody, that was, you know, part of what made it awesome was, oh, here's somebody who I can relate with, you know. Yeah, if somebody yeah. was supposed to be watching my special needs son and they were off screwing yeah that might fuck me up in the head you know mm -hmm. uh but then we have a big mystery too and, and i talked to vincent DeSanti about this because you know he's got his own ideas for you know what what he thinks crystal lake should do and you know he did the never hike alone movies mm -hmm. um and he's a good writer you know good director and we we talked about it like so what is the deal with jason anyway like we know that uh the end of the first movie is just a dream sequence um, but I didn't think about it like that for many years. I thought, well, that's Jason. That's what he looks like, you know, but then in the second movie, he's an adult. So it's like, oh, so now we have to think about it. It's like, okay. Um, when he supposedly drowned, I guess he didn't really drown. So where was he all those years, you know? Mm. And if Pamela, if Pamela knows the area, like the back of her hand, which it seems like she would have to, um, she worked there for crying out loud. She poisoned the well or whatever. You know what I mean? Like she's been there all these years, um, you know, trying to keep people from going there. Um, wouldn't she know if Jason was in the woods, you know, kind of surviving off the land or whatever? So yeah. where the hell was Jason all this time? Uh, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, it, it, honestly, it's like when they started doing the sequels, they were just like, all right, just take the Jason character and run with it. Uh, we don't need to worry too much about anything that came before. And it, it's pretty clear that they did it. You know, it's. Well, yeah, no, continuity was never, uh, you know, like yeah. a big thing with these movies. Um, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, because part two starts off. It's supposed to be five years, I guess, in the future. But he's aged quite a bit more than five. Um, and then he finds Alice. Like, did he take a bus there? Did he did he walk like how close to crystal lake does she live and yeah and why would why would she want to stick around that area you know anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> right especially if she's got folks on the west coast or whatever so yeah yeah because i mean i I, yeah, I had a horrific uh near-death experience uh, in new jersey i think i'm gonna stay here for a while <laughs> oh, yeah okay. i'm gonna live right down the street from the camp you know uh so it's like yeah i i envisioned her moving to like you said the west coast um but it's it's whatever they you know uh, Frank Mancuso was just trying to you know hey we we need a sequel now you know kind of thing um, yeah which yeah and we'll I, get there I enjoy the rest of the movies honestly except for maybe part eight I it's hard for me to watch part eight but uh, just about <laughs> all of the sequels I really enjoy you know on some level so. Hmm. Um, but we were talking about the cast, right? So I did mention Enos. I, I don't I don't have his real name in front of me, but I love that guy. He's uh, he's one of my favorite characters because he's so American original, realistic, and yeah, down all American original. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, he drives a pumper truck. Kid, like, yeah. He's just that guy's 
you know, Hopewell, New Jersey, man, like total all the way. But the biggest reason I love that character is that he sets up a lot of that lore, you know, that uh, that we all kind of think back to like, oh, it's the mystery of what's been going on at Camp Crystal Lake all these years, you know, and he kind of goes through the just a brief history, you know, of the crazy shit that's been happening out there, you know. It's it's funny because he's like, um, you know, he's he's a local, obviously, but it's like you're getting it from a local's perspective. Like he's telling an outsider all this stuff. And usually in, you know, horror movies and stuff, if you're from the outside of the area, it's you have to like fight to learn these secrets and stuff like that. And it's like that's another reason, you know, the built in lore I like about this movie, because you're up to speed in like the first 10 minutes of the flick. Like, you know pretty much everything you need to know and uh yeah from what he tells her is uh pamela terrorized wessex county for like 20 something years man like she yes. there was fires apparently um and then the water was the bad. christies who opened up the camp in 1935 ended up broke yeah. and crazy according to enos yeah. um so that that's another one it's like oh are we gonna get to find out why they died you know broke and crazy you know and then how did their son get enough money to reopen it you know so there's all kinds of cool shit that you wonder about you know later on but it's mostly in that first movie where we where we get you know the setup and the lore um you know one thing that i loved about enos and about the town about crystal lake and the diner and everything uh when annie shows up is it feels almost like dracula um, there's a lot of elements of the original 1931, you know, and, and Bram Stoker's um, timeless classic Dracula in that it's a small town. It's weird. They know that there's some freaky shit going on nearby they're, they're They kind of look at her like, oh, Crystal Lake. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> why would you want to go there? Yeah. It can't you know, blood. It me the lady flat out says very, can't yeah. blood. That's the first time you ever hear it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and it reminded and, me very much Dracula, uh, no. where you know the villagers are like, "Oh no, you don't want to go there," you know. Uh-huh. Um, and then you even hear Ned backs it up, and he's another outsider. He's never met Annie, you know, while we're watching it, and so you're like, "Oh, well, he called it Camp Blood too," because he's like, "Oh, the locals call this place Camp Blood." And you're like, "Oh shit," uh, they weren't kidding. Like that place is kind of tainted, I guess. You know, it's and, got a death curse, you know, to our next character, crazy <laughs> fucking Ralph, you know, and I love that she said, you're starting to sound like your crazy friend back there, yeah. you know, it's like when he starts talking about the curse and everything, but, you know, it's crazy. Ralph is so freaking iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with uh, another group of podcasters uh, that have their own channel called Death Curse Society. And mm-hmm. to be a member of their society, one of the tiers is you can be a crazy Ralph for 10 bucks a month. I thought that was fantastic. Um, You know, I was just watching a movie called um, Hysterical from 1982, uh, which was only two years after Friday the 13th came out. But Friday the 13th was so popular by 1982. And that character, Crazy Ralph, was so popular by 1982 that this movie has a Crazy Ralph character in it, like a, a direct spoof of Crazy Ralph. Wow. Um, and, yeah, and he actually ends up being the hero at the end of the film. And he has this great dialogue where he's like, all these years I've been telling people they're doomed. It turns out I'm the one that's doomed, you know, and he oh, sacrifices dude. himself to save everybody. But I, I dug that up the other day looking for, like, obscure shit that had to do with the first movie. 
Um, and it's fantastic. Like this, I don't know who the actor was, but he did a hell of a job, you know, uh, copying Walt Gorney's, you know, voice and mannerisms, you know, and talking about, oh, your dude. You know? Yeah, because the, the way Walt delivers those lines, man, is just excellent. And it's uh, going to Camp Blood, ain't you? And uh, he's the harbinger, man. He's he's the harbinger. He was uh, I figured this is one of the first movies to ever really put the guy front and center, uh, not the actor, but the, the character of the harbinger. And it's to the point where the cop drives out to Crystal Lake because they heard Crazy Ralph was got loaded and was spouting his gospel. And uh, it's just wow. Um yeah, and he doesn't get killed in the first one. He survives, so that's nope, good. No, nope, they did him dirty in part two. Though, they did really, yeah, Steve Miner really did him dirty in part two. Uh, <laughs> you know, we need but, another body. How about Crazy Ralph? You know, I'd yeah, have been like, but, fuck you, leave him alone. Dude, no, um, not crazy. Man, come on. Yeah, so iconic though, man. And I love that he came back for part seven to do the the narration at the beginning. There's a legend around here, you know. Is that him? That's I didn't know that. Wow. That's what I that's what I was told. Yeah, that it's uh, Walt Gorney who did that. Yeah, there's a death, um, death curse. The Jason Voorhees curse. Yeah, that narration's excellent, man. Um, it's up there with Larry Kett from the Chainsaw Massacre. You know, just real. They couldn't find a better voice. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Ralph, you know, Ralph's a bit of a creeper, you know, he was hiding in the closet at the camp, you know, yeah. all the young girls getting changed and stuff, and I think when he does get it in part two, it's because he's watching somebody make out, you know, and it's like, well, you can't really do that in a Friday the 13th yep. movie, Ralph, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta mind your manners, man, your P's and Q's. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, let's see. Trying to think of anybody else from the cat. I know the diner is still there. You can go get a burger at the diner. <laughs> That's one thing I've always wanted to do. Um, yeah, it makes me yeah. wonder if they do like uh, Jason Goes to Hell and they've got like Jason Burgers, you know? <laughs> burger, yeah. <laughs> Friday the 13th themed food, you know? Why not? Play uh, that shit up, you know? Make a buck. <laughs> Harry Crosby. Well, so you've got the the other Harry Lilith, you know, Harry Crosby. Um, which act, that actually was Bing's real name was Harry Lillis Crosby. Oh, um, wow. So, so it would be Harry the second, I guess, but yeah, Harry Crosby, um, he kind of looks like his dad. Yeah. If you know what Bing Crosby looked like when he was young, you know, you can kind of see it in his face, a good looking guy, not the best actor, you know? So it's like, you kind of can understand why maybe his career didn't really take off, you know, mm -hmm. but it's cool at least that there's like this link to this other great entertainer, you know, mm -hmm. in the first Friday of the 13th movie. Um, he's the one who kills the snake, I noticed, you know. So that was kind of his big moment in the movie. You know, he gets to... He was. It's funny, though, because he was scared. For, I don't know, what do you want me to do? You know, it's like, <laughs> you kill, kill it, motherfucker. <laughs> um, it's funny, too, listening to the animal rights people now. Like, oh, my God, they killed a real snake. You know, yeah, well, it, it was 1979, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's uh, now go and shut down production. Um, it's funny though, because like, if you know anything, like what you just explained out, if, if you know, that's Bing Crosby's kid, if you know who Bing Crosby is and stuff coming into the movie, if you're aware that he's in the movie before you watch it, you would kind of think like, Oh, well, that, maybe that's the breakout person in the flick, but it's like, right. Uh, Kevin Bacon. All yeah. Day. Bing, I think died in 77. So he would have been gone only for like two years before his son showed up in this movie. Um, but it might have been for the best. I don't know that Bing would have been thrilled about his son being in 
you yeah. know, Friday the 13th, <laughs> especially if he was tight with uh, fucking Ebert, you know, it's, oh, my son, you know. Funny thing about Ebert, he used to write scripts for Russ Meyer. So I don't, oh, yeah. understand, I don't understand why yeah, he did you that. You know what? He was sell. I'm telling you, he was selling out to the Christian right during the satanic yeah, panic. Yeah, you know, it's you he know. knew that it was good for ratings if he took a hard line <laughs> against uh-huh. violence and gore. You know, so. But I always just wanted to look at him and be like, Chesty Morgan, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, always just ah, you dirty bastard. So, um. But yeah, yeah, I was this, reading something about that the other day. There's like an unreleased sequel or something that he also wrote, like for Valley of the Dolls or some shit. It's like, yeah, yeah. really? Like Ebert used to write crappy movies. Okay, well. Wow. Yeah. I don't begrudge him, brother, a paycheck. Okay, just, uh, you know, but can it with the, you know, oh, yeah. it's, let's give Mrs. Voorhees a dress because fuck this movie. You know, well, no, you used to write the shit yourself, asshole. Thank you, man. When I read that, I like my, it made my blood boil for a minute because I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, Ah, you know, uh, it's geez, I don't know. Um, Hollywood's weird, man. Hollywood people are weird, like you know, old school Hollywood. You know, they're very, very cutthroat. You know, uh, yeah, like once people reach a certain level of fame, they do weird shit like that. It mm-hmm. seems like so. I think it got to him, and yeah. Um. But he changed his tune, you know, many years later, you know, and started endorsing movies like Aliens, you know, and mm. other horror films that, uh, you know, were just as gory, if not gorier than Friday the 13th. Uh, mm. But by that point, right, the satanic panic had kind of faded out. So, you know, he wasn't really pandering so much anymore. But, yeah, Bing Crosby's son, you know, they, they should have had him sing or something, right? But you know, well, Good looking he, guy. He plays the guitar, but he doesn't sing. But he does play the guitar for a minute. Yeah. Um, okay. You know. He's uh, setting the uh, the trap for Alice, you know. <laughs> He's going to steal her away from Steve Christie. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't say I'm a super fan. I don't, like, off the top of my head, remember all of the characters. I do remember there's this goofy cop, right, the sheriff. Oh, um, yeah. You know, we're not going to stand for any foolishness out here. <laughs> um, and then you've got the silly friend, right, the Indian kid, you know, acting yeah. like a fool and. Is the, the headdress There's on the no Yeah. You know, minor characters, but they, they were fun. They were, you know, gave, gave it, character it shows to doing what teenagers would be doing there when the boss just left. Like, you know, Christy's like, oh, blah, 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 I'll be back. So, yeah, they're going to act, you know, silly. They're going to kind of do what they want, you know. Um, and it does a really good job of, you know, showing that, you know, I, I think. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, you know, when the cat's away, the mice will play. So, but um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of well, you've got uh, the you know, my favorite, uh, probably lesbian in any horror movie. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember her name, but she's the brunette, you know, where she's like, mm-hmm. oh, just when things are starting to get interesting, yeah, uh, you know, she makes it clear with that line that she's into chicks, you know, and I was like, oh. Huh, that, that's interesting, you know. Pretty a little progressive for 1980, you know. They're playing strip poker and uh, the chick's kind of flirting a little bit with the other chick. Okay, that's cool. Uh, but she was beautiful, and then I, I read somewhere that she died from like breast cancer or something uh, a few Jeez. years ago or several years ago now. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, she's Ned, uh, Ned almost kills her, I think, uh, when he's firing the arrows and the targets. Uh, just kind of like, Jesus, man. Um, I have a feeling Ned would have cost them a lawsuit if uh, they weren't murdered that night at Camp Blood. I think, right, been around kids, they something would have happened, you know. Uh, maybe he would have ended up being in the burning, who knows? Like, just, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, it's weird though. Like that was probably real. Like she probably was actually close to that target and he probably actually did shoot the target. Um, and he probably was good at archery. That's maybe why he got the part. Um, because like people who are good at archery are really fucking good at archery. Like it's mind blowing. Um, I had a church service several years ago, uh, where the sermon illustration was his hitting the mark. And uh, the preacher brought in this guy with a bow and arrow and a target. And the guy stood there through half the freaking sermon shooting the target and hit it like almost perfectly every single time. Um, you know, when you practice wow. something that long, you know, it's, you know, when you're a marksman, like they say, mm-hmm. um, you know, she really probably had no reason to worry, but it's scary. <laughs> you know, you're literally three feet away from a target and oh shit, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Are you well, crazy? <laughs> plus, in the way they shot it, it's like, you know, kind of forced perspective. So she could have been probably 12 feet away from that thing. But the way it looks, right, right. she's right on it. Yeah. Um, funny thing you said about archery. No, you're absolutely correct. Because uh, Liz, um, her cousin is a crack shot with a bow and arrow. Like she goes hunting with a bow and arrow when all the other fellas have rifles and uh She's like she has all these ribbons and trophies from uh, coming up, you know, just she's like I said, she's a dead shot with archery. Um, so, yeah, when somebody's really good at. That they're they excel at it because I've never met like. A yeah, yeah, it's like, rock I guess, you know, studying that technique. Yeah, studying that technique and learning yeah. how to do it properly and practicing over and over. Um, yeah, it's pretty freaking amazing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, good for him for being a, you know. <laughs> Good with the bow and arrow. And it made for a nice little tense scene for a second, you know, because, uh, you know, you're watching a horror movie. Right. And so all of a sudden this arrow shows up. And it's a good little jump scare. So because mm-hmm. you're waiting for anything at this point, like, you know, you're just, yeah. you know, it's a horror movie. Your senses are kind of heightened up a little bit. So, you know, any anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. It's. I like it because it's a murder mystery, you know. Like, you know, the lore, you hear what's, you know, potentially this could be who this is, you know. Uh, and then people start dropping, like, you know. Um, yeah, and you know, there's a killer stalking them. That's the other thing, you know, is that, you know, that's right, which, yeah. you know, they had done that before in some Jallo movies, but it wasn't real common to see like the POV shot, you know, where they show, you know, the killer is looking through the trees and, mm-hmm. um, See the somebody hand looks up and pull the branches you see down. something back there in the woods, you know, mm-hmm. um, it adds a whole other level of tension and, you know, it just heightens that mystery. Like who the fuck is going to kill these kids and why, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause the one scene they show the hand come up and pull the, pull the branches down. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like you said, what's her face? Oh, I, you know, I saw something over there. Um, yeah. adds a whole level of creep. Um well, like in Black Christmas, you know, you, you, you have, your POV is, I guess, the killer at this point in the movie. And up, oh, well, you're hiking up the side of the house, climbing in through a window. It's like, oh, wow. All right. So POV adds a lot, I think, to, uh, yeah. uh, you know, absolutely. 
Um, it's something it's, that I've seen uh, do a good job making fun of too, in some of the horror movie spoofs. You know, like the killer's POV, and mm. he gets frustrated and he's looking for something to use to kill the victim with or whatever. Like it can be used to pretty good comedic effect, but that's because it's so iconic. We recognize it. Okay, this is a slasher movie. Like the killer is talking the victims at this point. You know, uh, and Friday was definitely one of the earliest ones and one of the best ones. You know to kind of make that part of our culture, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Plus the woods can be so disorienting. Um, I don't know about you or anybody listening, but I've been lost in the woods at night and it's fucking terrifying. Um, so yeah, they, you know, it's, they keep going back to certain things, but like couldn't have picked a better place, man. Um, Oh, yeah. I had a friend um, in the 90s who I was staying at her house and she lived right in the middle of the freaking Pine Barrens. And we we got in an argument. She ran out of the house. And, um, you know, so I chased her down. Hey, I'm sorry, whatever. And she was standing like 40 feet back in the woods and I barely could see her, you know, because there's no freaking light out there. You know, there's a little bit of light coming off the house, but I'm like, hey. Uh, you okay? You know, and so she just stood there and she knew that I'm like a horror movie guy and I, I, you know, I do believe it spooks, you know, and so she was fucking with me, you know, she's like just standing there like 40, 50 feet back in the woods, not mm-hmm. moving, hearing me say, uh, I need you to like say something, okay? <laughs> like, I can see you like freaking mm-hmm. out and like finally she was like started laughing. I was like, fuck you, you know, <laughs> but like the fucking woods at night yeah i mean how much scarier does it get you know yeah and you said there uh, was there's a reason house. why like the yeah no it's, yeah, yeah woods are terrifying man but if you're out there with no light no flashlight and you're going by just say and that's if you're lucky to have a moon out yeah. when you're lost in the woods uh it doesn't really come through the canopy or anything man it's it's you're still in the fucking dark like you can wave your hand in front of your face and you can't see it um so yeah and then to hear like is that somebody walking over there like i keep hearing shit crack and it just the woods the woods totally fuck with you man at night absolutely so yeah right on (laughs) and psycho psychologically you know and i I always like to you know think about you know why is this story told in this way Mm -hmm. um going you know back centuries um, there was always kind of a there's something in the woods, you know, that we have to protect our children from the wolves or whatever or the monster, um, you know, and being like right there with all of the action is taking place in the woods. And sure enough, you know, something's coming after you, um, you know, and you're surrounded by the fucking woods, you know, it's, there's no safety, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's funny, like you, you see it in all the Friday movies, right? At some point, somebody's going to be running from the killer through the woods. Um, they're probably going to fall, you know, inexplicably, they're going to fall down. Um, you know, the clothes are probably going to start falling off as they're running, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, you know, the, the killer's going to be right there. So if you do fall, just get up and expect, you know, him to be on the, the other killer side. killer to be right there, regardless of how yeah, far yeah. away he was before. Yeah. It's one of the things I loved about the Friday the 13th game is that they didn't even fuck around. They're just like, oh, yeah, let's let Jason have the ability to teleport because uh-huh. clearly he does anyway, you know, in the fucking movies. <laughs> so, and Pamela too, right? It's like we we're talking about, uh, what, so you explained it so much better, like when she shows up with the Jeep, you know, and it's like, so did she oh. run all the way back? 
Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> there, there's a bunch of, you know, it's plot points and stuff. It's, it doesn't matter. This is just a nerd, like, watching the movie for the 50th time, being like, huh, never thought about. Um, there's the scene that uh, the killer throws the lesbian through the windows and she has like rope around her and she's she looks beat the hell up actually um alice is in the cabin and you know throws the lesbian through the windows and then she screams "Ah, oh my god and she you know gets the door open and she runs out of the cabin you're talking 30 seconds you know maybe 40 seconds right in real yeah that it takes her to get out of the cabin run outside and then you see the headlights right this is uh real time I unlock the door blah blah blah. she puts a bunch of stuff on a door that opens out by the way um and so she runs outside and then you see the headlights from the jeep and you know enter betsy palmer hi i'm mrs Voorhees, an old friend of the christie's now that's not a lot of time for her to have chucked that body through the window haul ass probably a quarter mile away from the cabin get in her jeep turn the fucking lights on, turn the Jeep on and then drive on up. Like when she comes running outside, the Jeep's almost already there and she pops out. So I was was wondering, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe she had some help or like, was she she just really fucking fast? And then that's one of the things they make fun of in uh, the rise of Leslie Vernon, right? The behind the mask, you know, he's trying to, He's, he's like, setting you up have no idea how much cardio I have to do. It's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. So I looked up the lesbian so that I can stop calling her the lesbian because, you know, it's 2023, right? So it was Brenda in the movie. Brenda's the character. And the actress is, uh, well, she, she has passed away. Uh, but her actual name is Lori Bartram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As and, much uh, as I've seen yeah, this movie, absolutely gorgeous, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, if we're gonna talk about lipstick lesbians, I mean, she's got to be in my top ten for sure. She was my um, favorite, and I know yeah. that. Yeah, that sounds misogynistic, and I apologize. I'm pushing fifty, okay? I don't know the proper <laughs> way to talk about people. I really we're don't. I, I could use all the help teasers. I can get. So <laughs> yeah, if we could get like a uh, a lesbian co-host, actually, I would be really happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's not the preferred yeah, number. Back off, like. <laughs> Yeah, because then my wife is not threatened, you know, <laughs> but I still get a female perspective. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Brenda's fantastic, man. She was beautiful. It sucks that this, this she that she got killed because I I do think she would have made a great final girl as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who was the? There's another brunette in it with the brown panties, and I cannot remember her name. That's uh, Annie. No, that's not Annie. Annie's yeah. the beginning. Show. No, that's, Annie. Annie, had, Annie was. Gorgeous Burnett at the beginning, Q Burnett at the beginning. And he's the cook. That's right. Um, Plus, I think that's one of the reasons she kills her so fast because she finds out she's the cook at the camp or she will be the cook at the camp. And this is where he's like, not today. Oh, hell no, you ain't. (laughs) Um, I think it's Marcy. I think that's her name. Ned says Marcy in the truck. He straight hits on his old lady, you know, in front of him. Uh, But again, different time, you know. Let's see. You had mentioned before that, uh, yeah, Mrs. Voorhees, she probably knows that camp very well. So it's kind of comical when Alice does run away from her and uh, they just show Betsy Palmer, you know, Mrs. Voorhees talking to herself as Jason, which um, I'd like to I'd like to say that 
right up, you know, right away that she plays crazy to a T. She is. Oh, yeah. She sells it, man. Like, talk wow. about, you know, freaky psychology shit. I mean, that really kicked things up a whole other notch on the horror level, you know. Yeah. Um, it kind of moves into terror territory at that point because that's kind of shit sticks with you, you know, like, mm-hmm. holy shit, this lady is nuts. Yeah, you no. Know, like, I've probably been next she's to, speaking at the to herself store. in the voice of her her dead son, who well, who she thinks is dead, right? And yeah. wow, yeah, like how fucking crazy is that? <laughs> it's um, it's pretty scary, man. Because uh, again, she's she's doing it. You know the way that the scenes cut and stuff. She's got to be talking to herself while she's you know track speed running through the woods after this chick, and uh that's scary that's terrifying and like you know was she doing that with barry and claudette in the beginning you know like it just it opens the door for uh, a bunch of scary shit man because psycho was good in the way they showed crazy could be your next door neighbor like so i you know i i think a lot of times like i wonder if i was ever next to mrs Voorhees in Winn dixie or something like that like you know we're talking about stakes at the the deli counter or something um that's scary to me uh, like you said the the terror it sticks with you um yeah i, I mean I don't yeah know. you're not <laughs> expecting to hear that little voice coming out of you know this imposing woman <laughs> yeah yeah, she, mommy. She, yeah and then she answers the questions or she you know she replies to what he said and you're like whoa whoa holy cow uh yeah she's her happy meal is missing a few french fries man like definitely um yeah marcy marcy was the other girl that i couldn't marcy. think of and i get her mixed up with lauren marie taylor from part two um because she she didn't have a real big part you know but she was cute you know brunette um i got a thing for the brunettes i started notice, noticing a pattern <laughs> yeah. yeah by the time we get to debbie sue Voorhees, i'm just like i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> But uh, other characters, I mean, we have the sheriff at the very end, right? Uh, he was a good character actor. I've seen him in a few other things from that era. Uh, man, boy, we, we didn't find any boy. You know? Yeah, and that's got to be... Very iconic. Of, oh. Yeah, no, very true. Um, just that line, you know, gets uttered a lot. I know one thing... That character of the sheriff, that's got to be a head screw for him because he gave Christy a ride almost back to camp the night before while this stuff was going on. And, like, as a character, I wonder if he goes home and drinks whiskey till he passes out at night. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. oh, when we got there in the morning, the chick's in the fucking canoe in the lake and there's all her friends are dead. Uh, just I just talked to Steve, you know, ten yeah. hours ago or whatever. Now he's hanging from a tree, like Jesus Christ, man! Like Crystal Lake, it's got to be crazy. Like, <laughs> um, then it it comes back to the fact that you know Jason obviously didn't drown. So, what was going on the night those two ended up on the beach and she cut her head off? Like what? Was he just well, and then they start off part two, right? The first thing he says, Well, legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night. It's like, Well, 
first of all, how did that get to become a legend? You know, does somebody overhear Jason talking about it? You know, right? Find his journal or some shit. You know, when he was on but, the bus. You know, whatever. Bus. Like yeah. you're still kind of building the lore. You know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, where the hell was he all those years? You know, and. He couldn't have been. I don't think he could have been hanging out at Crystal Lake because his mom would have fucking known about it. So yeah, we'd mentioned that before. She would have came across that shack if she was out, you know, being a creeper and stuff in the woods setting fires. Um, I think a lot of it, and Liz and I talk about this because I'm I'm a horror nerd, man. She has no choice but to talk about the stuff with me sometimes, right? Because I don't shut up. Um, I think he was more like an urban legend ish kind of thing where. You know, they would use them, say, like as the Cropsey legend, because if you're from the Northeast, you you've heard the Cropsey legend. Right. Uh, we just tell kids around the campfire the Cropsey legend, so they behave and go to fucking bed at night, um, or else Cropsey's gonna come get you. I think Jason was kind of employed as that, more or less, for a little while, and then, fuck, I guess he showed up, and, you know, um, so yeah, I I don't it's. It's all the timelines crazy. Uh, you don't know what's real for the most part because I mean, you know, apparently she was dreaming at the end of the flick. The cops like, we didn't find him, boy. So, what the hell, you know? Maybe she's that traumatized from Mrs. Voorhees just telling her that. Yeah, little well, if there's little one thing you learn watching Friday the Thirteenth movies, that's exactly it. Is it? Yeah, it doesn't really fucking matter. If you have a good time, that's that's the bottom line, you know. By the time part three rolls around, they're like, oh, let's do another dream sequence with somebody jumping out of the water. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, why don't we just yeah. put Mrs. Voorhees' head back on and, you know, yep. what the hell? <laughs> the make her worm face and, you know, all this stuff. It's, uh, yeah. Well, because even in part two, Ginny grabs the head or she grabs the sweater. And, you yeah. Know, it's just, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, a lot of it's got to be in your head, man. Talk about yeah. iconic, though, man. That that fucking sweater is so iconic. You know, it's yeah. recognizable. Um, I've been to you know, a throughout Halloween this party. film series. Yeah, I've been to a Halloween party, and that was the chick's costume. She just grabbed a blue sweater, and uh, had a fake knife. You know, that, that was that was like brilliant, man. Brilliant. You know, it's got to be up there in the top five popular sweaters of all time. You know, you got Mr. Rogers, you got Bill Cosby and uh, Mrs. Voorhees. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Uh, what's funny is some of these companies now they're making ugly Christmas sweaters uh, Mm -hmm. as Mrs. Voorhees sweater. And like on the front, it has like her, you know, cross stitched with uh, (laughs) a couple of mommy and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. (laughs) The stuff fans come up with for these movies amazing you know i love love looking at that stuff so who's your favorite who's your favorite character or yes uh besides besides mrs Voorhees, who would you say is is your favorite you know final girl or um you know one of the victims one of the guys one of the girls um it's gotta be crazy ralph man i think crazy obviously adrian king because she's you know she's one of the survivor girls man she's one of the first and awesome but Crazy Ralph, like, just because he's the harbinger, I think, and he's just like, don't go to Camp Blood. You're all doomed, you know, and he says it in such a it's not a cryptic way because he's saying what he means. But take heed the warning, guys. Take heed the warning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool. They they liked that enough to bring another one back in part three. Right. The the guy on the ground. Yeah. 
I have warned thee, you know. Um, It's a popular trope, you know, the doomsayer guy. Um, And yeah, Crazy Ralph, he's he's probably probably the most famous one, you know, that I can think of, you know, in in movies. Even to the Uh, point of they make fun of that character where they have the harbinger call the guys and they're just dying laughing listening to him because he speaks uh, in a way that it's not normal. He's not like, oh, you know, let me turn the Wi-Fi on. But he just he talks very ominous. And it's just, yeah, it's to the point they he's a character in Cabin in the Woods. And that movie's amazing. Um, you know, such a love. Oh, for, yeah. yeah. You know, but yeah, I just I like that character. I really do. Because it's uh, you have a straight talker, Enos, telling you. But then you got crazy, Ralph. You got the town drunk, you know, telling you don't go out there. Because I imagine he's probably seen some shit, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, it seems like he's he's been around forever, so he knows about all the crazy shit that's mm-hmm. been going on out at the camp. And, yeah, and he's um, probably not his first rodeo with a DUI because he's on a bicycle. So it's like he's yeah, like, it's <laughs> funny. There's a lot of grown men on bikes in the Pine Barrens, <laughs> and they're uh, not necessarily wearing spandex. But yeah, no, it's all good. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say Annie is probably my favorite girl in the movie. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty biased, uh, cause she does look a lot like my wife did when I first met her. Uh, my wife's a Jersey girl, you know, she had the, the big brunette brown hair, you know, the huge smile. And so I, I really liked Annie and I liked the fact that she was so positive and upbeat and loving life, you know, and just yeah. this in- contagious joy about her. Um, and they set it up to where you know what kind of movie this is going to be because they take this bubbly, lovable, beautiful person and brutally murder her. So it's like, wow, you know, and and we talked about that a little bit uh, with the opening sequence as well, you know, with the campers just, you know, having a good time and happy go lucky. And then all of a sudden, Oh shit, you know, let's put a stop to that. We weren't doing nothing, you know, and the, the poor girl, I mean, this, this pretty girl, is suddenly taken unawares and killed mm. and the camera like zooms in on her fucking face, you know, in the freeze frame. Yeah. It's so that... terrifying. Like yeah. I can't think of any movie before that, that did something like that, you know, um, not that effective. So yeah, no, not at all. It's um, it's weird though, because I, I, I guess in the lore of Friday the 13th, Barry and Claudette were the two that were supposed to be watching Jason when he drowned. But, I guess she couldn't do anything because, you know, shit just happened or whatever. So the next year, yeah, that's why she singled those two out. And then to catch them doing what they were doing when he drowned, it's like, ah, ah, you're just totally spitting in the face of, uh, you know. So it's, yeah. Was that like a novelization or something? Because I had not, I had not heard that. Um, I guess it makes sense. There's, there's comics. uh, Yeah. this it's called Pamela's Tale. It's two issues from Wildstorm. Came out uh, like 2007 or eight, something like that. And it explains a lot of the backstory with Mrs. Voorhees. Like she, uh, the first time she ever fooled around with a boy, she got pregnant, and her father and mother shunned her, and so she ran off uh, to Crystal Lake and became friends with the Christies, and they gave her a job. And blah blah blah, and. Um, so it's like it fills in a lot of stuff you kind of wondered about, but then it's like it shows her in a light that you're like, 
wow, nobody saw how fucking nuts she is. Like they didn't, because she's talking to Jason like that while he's still yeah. like inside before she, you know, ever gave well, birth. I'm so happy that those even exist, you know, because yeah. you don't hear about a whole lot of memorabilia that has to do with Friday the Thirteenth, the the original Friday the Thirteenth. Um, so that's really cool that somebody, you know, did a backstory and did some comics based on it. Um, listen, I'm super excited for, um, Crystal Lake. Um, you know, I am not getting my hopes up because I've seen so many, you know, beloved horror franchises ruined by people who just went too far. Um, I'm talking about you, Halloween ends, you know, um, boy. What? You know, in Texas, oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's like I love that we care about the fans enough to bring back these old actors and stuff. But it's like let's at least care as much about the story and the property that we're selling as we do about the money that we're getting from the fans. So. Yeah, you know, don't ever stray too far from the source material, man, because that's what yeah. made it so popular in the first place. You know, and I don't, yeah. But um, it's especially yeah, like yeah. Let's see Pamela as the main character again, man. That's gonna be freaking awesome. Oh, that's gonna be so cool. It was so cool to see in Vincent DeSanti's uh, Never Hike Alone in the Snow when Jason was in the the cabin that night and he was, I guess, hallucinating. And Pamela showed up, and uh, it was kind of neat, man, because you know the actress they had play Pamela, she was absolutely gorgeous, and yeah, for you to be a little kid and to see your mother. You know, you always have her in the best light in your head, the way you look at her and see her. Um, so that was cool. It was cool. But yeah, Pamela's overlooked so much. Like they they made a figure of her a while ago. Uh, but other than that, and I've only seen like two T-shirts that have her, you know, prominently displayed as the main character, Jason. Well, you know, yeah, eleven movies since this one. Yeah, he's kind of overshadowed. Um, but then that paints a great motivator for the rest of the series because it's like, all right, well, if he did see his mother get killed, well, now it's kind of the, uh, oh, you know, the tragic, da, 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 da. it's like the whole thing was a messed up tragic fucking carousel, man. Cause she's getting back at her because of her son died. And now yeah. he's getting back because this chick killed his mom. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of Chris Rock and he was talking about OJ Simpson, you know, I'm not saying he should have killed her, but I understand <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah i'm not saying pamela should have killed everybody on the camp but i understand you know they had that shit coming jason <laughs> jason saw his mom killed you know and these fucking campers did her mom in yeah i get it jason all right mm-hmm. fucking teenager you know <laughs> so <laughs> but like yeah no i always i always root for pam man like i, I just it's whatever dude i'll put the movie on i'm like get your pound of flesh pamela get it those kids suck you know and you mentioned the other night they're singing these uh, kind of uh, Christiany types of songs. Yeah, you know, Michael, row your boat ashore, boat ashore hallelujah. Yeah. You know. That's right. Um, and then Barry and Claudette are like, "Hey, just a tip, I promise, just a tip." You know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, jeez. Um, but it's it, again, I think it gets overlooked quite a bit. Um, you know, just. Um, just being in the horror pages on Facebook, man, you'll see comments in there. Oh, the first one's boring. Da, 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 or, oh, it got explained to me, you know, 
why watching the rest of the series you can figure out what happens in the first one it's like no man put your time in dude you owe it to yourself to sit and watch it man you know yeah and i see it the other way around too where you know there's purists who remember when it came out they saw it when it came out they enjoyed it it was a damn good movie it was groundbreaking and they don't have much of a use for the rest of the movies because they're not the same kind of movie you know the first movie is a self-contained murder mystery um you know a revenge tale uh which granted you know later on you could you could argue that jason is getting vengeance or whatever but um that first movie it is it's its own thing and um honestly man the writing was probably better for the first one than any of the rest of them yeah um I, I i can't think of the writing in any of the rest of them where i'm like oh wow yeah you know that's that's some good writing um mm-hmm. no they're all piggybacking off of that first one yeah. you know um so to yeah it's like you said to be on these facebook pages and fan groups and stuff where people are kind of hand waving it away it's like do, do you even did, did you even watch it like do you know what you're looking at when you watch movies you know yeah. Yeah. um i love the friday the 13th franchise um but I still think the first one is probably arguably the best writing out of all of them. It may be the best movie out of all of them. Um, but there are others like part four and part six that are arguably quote unquote better because, you know, the effects or because, you know, the excitement of getting chased by Jason and the jokes mm-hmm. and various things. Um, but you can't take away, you know, what Pamela did for the franchise and what Victor Miller did with Pamela for the franchise um you know this is the one that started it all so i'll always have a special place in my heart for it mm-hmm. um ab- absolutely i agree with everything you said um it's again i think people don't think of it this way when they either talk about the first one not you know not being up to par or whatever but the first one was written without a sequel in mind and like you said it's self-contained that's one of the reasons i think it's a perfect it's it's one of the greatest slashers ever because when this was written they had no clue it was going to even turn a profit or anything they were just it was the height of the slasher boom so they were like you know sean cunningham's like look hey friday 13th just throw it out there you know see what happens um yeah and it it just people really again we talked about this before it's relatable just because everybody went to summer camp and a lot of people have been in the woods and so they, you know, they, it made so much money that a sequel was inevitable, but again, it wasn't written to where they knew it was going to happen. Like it was written like my bloody Valentine. It was written like terror train. Some of the other slashers where it was just self-contained, they didn't expect blah, blah, blah. Here you go. Here's the flick. And it was just one of the rare ones that it made gangbusters at the box office. And so the other ones were kind of shoved into a square hole but they were circles and so it's just mm-hmm. kind of oh you know just well just shove it in there till it works that kind of kind of thing that's what i got but no the first four fridays in my opinion they're the best you know and yeah. i love part five too because well, we can talk about that another time roy's a beast um but yeah the first four they're to me they encapsulate you know the early 80s the slasher boom the stuff that would come off the series later on about the whole moral thing and, and they you know. were actually scary and that's the other thing is yeah. i did 
I did watch them back to back on an old VHS tape in my buddy's house by myself. And they scared the shit out of me, man. Like I, you know, had nightmares about being chased by Jason fucking Voorhees and Pamela Voorhees, you know, her crazy ass, you know, it's like (laughs) they was, they were actually fucking scary. And that I think is what's missing from the later films and from just horror in general these days, man. When's the last time you were actually scared of a story and of a character and of a movie itself, you know, and they're out there. Don't get me wrong. I love horror, but Mm -hmm. Friday the 13th is just very special in that regard because, you know, I was a kid when it came out and it scared the crap out of me. And you never forget that for your whole life, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, growing up, Jason, or growing up, just summer camp ruled the summer. So it's like, you know, you would anticipate the summer, but then you were kind of like, oh, crap, man, we got in camp in the dark again. And it's like, oh, shit. Um, so, yeah, I was. It's um, again, first four, I think, are very could be real in a way. Like, I mean, I, it's not that far fetched that some woman working somewhere whose son was supposed to be watched and they accidentally drowned loses her fucking mind and, you know, goes and slaughters half of it. It's you hear stories, man. So it's not that. Yeah. And that's what makes it work. You know, it's a combination yeah. of things. It was a perfect storm, you know, so you got the perfect setting, you got the perfect uh, motive motivation for the killer. Um, you've got the perfect killer. Um, and then you have the perfect soundtrack. You know, I want to make sure that we talk about that a little bit um, because who could forget Kiki mama, you know, which I don't give a fuck. It's growing up. It didn't sound like that to me. It sounds like what you just did, you know? So yeah. yeah, only, only fans of the movie, like diehard fans know that it's Kiki, Kiki mama, ma, you know, it's, it's fucking, you know, that's, that's what we all heard, you know? Um, regardless of what it is, I mean, it is what it is, you know, it's that killer soundtrack that, you know, Mm-hmm. It's just perfect. It would not have been the same movie without that soundtrack, just like Halloween. You know, if you ever watch Halloween with the sound turned all the way down, it's a boring ass movie. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, same thing, same thing with Friday. You know, that soundtrack really, you know, pushes it over the edge where it needs to. And well, from got the get go, searing you know? violin string sounds like that are that are like right from the Psycho soundtrack. And it's like those. Those are another cue, I think, that, you know, whoa, really it grabs your attention. And, you know, um, yeah, no, the, the music is off the chain in this film. Yeah, Harry Manfredini, kudos to him for just a truly iconic, excellent horror movie score. Mm-hmm. And then good for him for just sticking with it. You know, he's he's done other types of movies, but he's made an entire career out of doing music for Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah. And he's with even done, and he's even done for some of the fan films, you know, it's like. Yeah, when you when you're good at something, fuck it, you know, keep doing it, keep getting your paycheck. It's his career, so yeah. But uh, and there's there's cues in the music that are that are quite pretty, you know, like the harp part that you hear the dun 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 dun. dun. It's like wow, mm-hmm. it's it's a really awesome soundtrack, man, in and of itself. And uh, oh, and that finale, you know, the placid oh, lake and the beautiful soaring it's, music and the uh, dun, 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 oh. It's like, you dirty bastard, what did you do? You know, because it's so serene and just, it's nice. It's, you know, pretty azure sky of deepest summer. And then all of a sudden the mongoloid jumps out of the lake and you're like, ah, you know. So, yeah, it's, 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 it helps set you up. Uh, 
yeah, no, nah, he's a he's a bastard for that that final scene. <laughs> you know, even when she throws uh, what's her face Brenda through the window, it, it, and again those swells on the violin, man, they're they're terrifying. It's uh, almost like a cue to let you know you can either gasp or exhale. You know, with the movie, uh, just it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, Pamela's death. The the music when it slows down. Da, 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 you know when it slows down and she's getting her head cut off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then the, yeah, no, it's it's good stuff, man. Um, even the po the POV shots, man. It's it just adds so much to it. Yeah, no, right on, right on. It's very similar to Halloween, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, how would you rank? How would you rank Friday the Thirteenth? Like you know, in horror movie history and like movie history and your favorite movies. If we're gonna, so let's talk about Friday the Thirteenth Part One in terms of the Friday Thirteenth franchise. Where mm. would you rank it at? Well, uh, as in like you know, out of the series. Uh, oh, it goes without saying. Um, I'd say out of ten. Pamela Voorhees heads, uh, gotta be 10, man. It's, it's the, it's yeah. the big kahuna dude. Without this one, we wouldn't have anything at all. We wouldn't have Jason. Yep. We wouldn't have nothing. So I agree. And you know, I, I know that a lot of horror fans disagree and that's totally fine. No, each to their own. Again, the later Friday movies are different kinds of movies. They're slasher films. The first one really isn't a slasher film. It's more of a, you know, it, it has slasher elements, of course, but yeah. it's more of a murder mystery, you know, and yeah. more of a tension builder than, you know, a getting chased mm-hmm. by a killer. So because I always tell people, um, hey, you like this movie, go read Agatha Christie's. And then there were none. That's literally mm-hmm. a body count story in a book like it's, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's one of the reasons I like it so much is it's it's a it's a murder mystery for the most part. So. So, yeah, 10 out of 10 as far as Friday movies go. As far as horror movies, like the entire horror genre goes, um, I would put it up there around 8 or 9 for sure. I mean, it's so iconic. It's so important to um, horror movies in general, like the effect that it had on other horror films. Um, Everybody started making movies in the woods, you know, with a killer after Friday the 13th came out. This Um, sub-genre. Yeah, you got to give it props. Oh, yeah. It is scary. It's a scary movie, you know, um, it, and like growing up in the 80s, you like sometimes you would hear your friends. Oh, yeah, we're going to hang out at this guy's house or we're going to spend the night over here, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be watching uh, Jason movies all night or we're watching, you know, horror movies all night. And this was always yeah. one of them. So um, even to the point scream, you know, in the first 10 minutes of that flick, they uh, tip their hat in a big, big way. To the first Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. You know. All right. So we agree it's a ten out of ten, between yeah. an eight and a ten out of all horror movies, out of cinema in general. Yeah, I would put it at least a seven, you know, um, just because of how important it is in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a good movie. That's all that's all there is to it. It's a good fucking movie. And now, now it's time for the scared shit list. Okay. <laughs> the uh scared shit list is a list that we make of the shit in the movie that scared us. So <laughs> the, the shit in Friday the 13th that scared you, Slinky, and go. Steve Christie's aerobic socks. 
<laughs> he's got him tucked into Timberlands. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's see. The um, the scene that got you as a kid, it's the scene where uh, she's picked up by the killer. Mm-hmm. That's that's scary, man, because you're you're stuck like Chuck now. Um, and it it's pretty scary, pretty terrifying. And then the uh, end with uh, Mrs. Voorhees, the way she plays crazy and how she talks to herself and how she answers herself and stuff like that. That's that's pretty scary to me. Hell yeah. Um, you know. Uh, so the first thing I always think of uh, when I think of the first time I watched Friday the 13th is the arrow through the neck. That is uh, one of Tom Savini's finest moments as far as I'm concerned. It's super it's, iconic. Uh, uh, it's Kevin yeah. fucking Bacon. And it mm-hmm. was just weird and unexpected and fucking scary. You know, yeah. I, I will never forget just watching that and like, <gasps> Oh my God, you know, yeah, it man. was so frightening and just, yeah. So that's number one for me. Um, and then that fucking jump scare at the end, man, like <laughs> what, see to dude. me, what's scary about the jump scare is, oh, sorry. It, it does get people like people who've never seen the flick before that say it hasn't been ruined, you know, by the time they get around to watching it. That part does usually scare them because they're like, oh, man, geez, wasn't expecting that. But what scares me is when the cop tells her we didn't find any boy because then you're like, was she fucking did she lose it? So it's like it opens up a whole other door. And then she says, oh, then he then he's still out there. He's still you know? out and there. it's like, oh, shit. You know, that totally fucking thing that jumped like, up out yeah. of the lake is still out there. Oh, fuck, yeah, man. Like that must be the answer. It couldn't be anything else. And it's just like, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty scary stuff, man. Yeah, there's a moment of uh, real horror when um, she's hiding in the closet or in the pantry, you know, and Pamela's looking for her, and you know she's going to fucking find her. And yeah. then she looks at her, you know, and it's like, oh, my God. You know? That part, it, it, it's very uncomfortable. It's unsettling, man, because, like, she's taking an axe to this door, like, you know, a la The Shining. She's going to get in, dude. There's no way around that. But she stops when she has like a CD size hole in the door and she does this like, eh, and like, it's like, oh, you sick fuck, you sick fuck. Like now she's toying with the person. Like, it's, yep, yep. It's, oh man, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. You know. Now I, I'm having a brain fart here. Isn't there a part where somebody urinates or is that in a different one? I mean, a different somebody one. like hides and then you see the pee like coming out from where they're hiding. That must be in a different movie, but that's what I would be doing if I was hiding in a fucking pantry. That's how she would find me. Yeah, she would see this giant puddle of piss roll out from like a canoe. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'll have to look that up for the next show. You know, like there was a movie where somebody's hiding and you see the fucking piss puddle and it's like, oh, shit, you know. Um, But yeah, definitely put on your shitting pants or your pissing pants when you're watching Friday the 13th, man. It's still scary after all these years. Um, at the very least, the jump scare will get you. So, yeah, um, like I said, this this it's a horror standard um, to me. Anybody who's associated with the production of this movie is horror royalty, um, you know. And it's it's just funny to me that like the compare it because people they compare it all the time to the original Halloween. The original Halloween is very pretty to watch, like you know. Um, it's shot beautifully. This one is like, nah, we don't care. It's in your face. You know, we got Bing Crosby's kid pinned to a door with arrows. <laughs> like, 
it's just, you know, it's yeah, almost it's brutal like an exploitation yeah. flick, man. Like I, you know, I kind of say it, it grew up on 42nd Street, you know, with the grindhouse flicks. Uh, and I, it's interesting. I wonder, you know, with Halloween too, um, if that was influenced a little bit by the brutality of uh, Friday oh, yeah. the 13th, because you know it's a much more Jason-like Michael, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was because uh, I guess, yeah, no, that that's a whole other that's a whole other discussion. It was, uh, yeah, no, because it was they were going to make Halloween too, whether John Carpenter was involved or not. So it was another kind of thing where, okay, well, you know, because he was the reason the Sam the Sam Hain thing and blah blah blah. But um, yeah, no, it was they had to because again, that's the slasher cycle was in full swing, man. From like seventy, yep. the I think. bar had been raised though, so yeah, yeah. you know, you know. So in Friday the Thirteenth, that I give it direct credit just for that, you know. So, um, plus it's a fun movie to watch with your friends, man. Like if you've ever watched it with a group, it's a lot of fun to watch. You know, uh, everybody cheers, stuff like that. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So, um. Yeah, yeah. I, like I wish it. I would have seen it in the theater, um, mm-hmm. you know, when it came out. But I, I was a little bit too young. Um, in fact, the only Friday I've seen in the theater was Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> um, this makes me a little sad, but I've seen them all multiple times, you know. And mm-hmm. um, if I have to pick a franchise, that's my go-to franchise. That's why I wanted to do our first show together on Friday the Thirteenth Part mm-hmm. One because, you know, I, I appreciate everything that victor miller and sean cunningham did with that movie uh for horror for movies in general um mm-hmm. it's huge it's iconic it's important you know it matters mm-hmm. um and i think all horror has the potential to be that big a deal you know absolutely absolutely um, so i love it for that reason yeah yeah no you had my attention man you said oh you want to talk about friday 13th oh man no problem um yeah, it's uh, it's a titan, dude. It's you know, it's one of the big ones. And anybody who's a horror fan, you know, you owe it to yourself to watch it, even if it's not your bread and butter, even if it's not your thing. Just it's what it is, and it's uh, it's scary, man. It's a scary fucking movie. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> there it is. So. So what do we want to do next, man? Like, do we want to do another Friday? Like, do we just want to keep going through the series or do we want to take a break from that and do something else? Or what do you think? Like, uh, um, I can, I mean, honestly, I can talk about every Friday 13th flick, but it's, this is like a big slasher iconic film. So I, I didn't know if you would want to cover like another genre of horror. Um, or if you want to stick with this and go, go down the series or, I mean, it's, uh, that's the thing with horror movies and doing stuff like this. You're never going to run out, you're never going to run out of material ever. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, you know, well, I do like, I do believe that variety is the spice of life. Um, that if you're going to have, you know, a good show, a good long running show, which hopefully this will turn out to be, you never know. Um, you know, you're going to want to change things up in an interesting way. 
So well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't we maybe stick to doing a Friday the 13th movie once a month, but mm-hmm. then uh, not every week. So um, yeah, I think the next one we do should be a different genre, probably a different era. Mm-hmm. Um, what would, what would be your go-to man? Like, so I picked the first one. Let's uh, let's let Slinky pick the second. Oh one. man. Is it, uh, I've been on a, like a wicker man kick the last probably week or two like uh you know i've watched it a couple times there's actually a lot of uh like uh folk horror fiction online uh there's an unofficial sequel for the wicker man that's not the wicker tree uh i mean i don't know i that that's another go-to movie i have a few movies that i can watch over and over that's one of them all right well you know what that's a cool idea because they did a remake Right, they did uh the who was it um Nicholas who was Cage. in the fucking remake? Nicholas yeah, Cage. yeah, they put him in a bear yeah. suit, and punches women for a half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but again, like we maybe, do... maybe, maybe we just stick with the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't ever want to talk about the remake, you know. Uh, but no, the original is another one where it's it's slow burn, you know. It's it's one of those movies I figure it's like it's one of the best movies from the 70s of horror like an example of 70s horror like the exorcist is one uh you know jaws obviously but jaws hits another a lot of different categories like it's not just a horror movie yeah. it's you know um black curse i mean well no. it's but that's that's my thing i mean if you want to do another movie by all means man you know uh no, I like it, man. I, I, it scared me. It was scary, and that's mm. my biggest thing with horror is that I want it to actually be frightening. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, that's why we scared shitless because there's got to be something in the fucking movie that's scary. You know, so yeah. the Wicker Man was definitely scary. So yeah, let's do that one next. Um, I haven't watched it probably in about ten years, um, but it was so good. And I only watched it once, but it was so good that I vividly remember a lot of the scenes, you know, it's one of um, and who could forget that you. fucking ending, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's man. do that one, man. Okay. Um, so we'll reconvene, um, hopefully next Sunday, Sunday, yeah. um, around, around 11. So I will try and watch it between now and then. Okay. Um, if anything comes up, I'll let you know, but I mm-hmm. should have time to buckle down and rewatch it. And, uh, we can meet again then. Absolutely. Sounds good. Um, yeah, had a blast doing this, man. Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Um, we haven't talked about editing at all. Um, I don't know how. <laughs> um, is it something that we even need to do since it's a podcast? Um, is it something that I should learn how to do? Um, are you any good at it? I, I know how to edit. Should we get somebody else to do it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's again because it's a podcast and it's not you know nothing visual or anything. Um, honestly, you could probably let it play. Um, okay. Just you know the beginning part cut off. Yeah. You know blah blah blah. But for the most part, you could probably just let the thing play, man. Because um, again, people listen to these when they're driving to work and shit. So it's. Uh, what what you should do is when we're done here, not tonight or you know whenever you have time, just listen to it, the whole thing. Yeah, and see how it sounds, and then 
you know, make some notes or whatever. And that's where maybe make some cuts if that, but you should learn how to edit. And yeah, I had to lock myself in a room with my cell phone and just learn on the app. And it took, it, it, it took me like four or five hours, man. Like, yeah. uh, but it's, once you learn how to do it, it's, it's easy. It's right um, on. Yeah, yeah we're right at two hours, you know, um, and, and a lot of that's going to be, I know it's going to be a, a little bit of filler, you know, like there's mm-hmm. got to be some stuff that the fat that can be cut, you know, yeah. um, but that's, that's cool though. I like that we just talk naturally and just let it all hang out, you know, mm-hmm. like there's, um, there's some parts on there where I'm like, uh, uh, I figure maybe cut some of those out, but it's, um, yeah, no, that was really, there's like a flow to it we were just talking and uh that's what that I'll, one... I'll get my kids to help me too because my i have a 15 year old and a 20 year old who are really good at that kind of shit so mm-hmm. they can they can show daddy which programs to use and maybe add some music you know to the beginning and yeah right we'll on. go from there so see it and yeah you have that option so you totally utilize it man like when liz and i were doing this shit it was oh man it was a nightmare like we just had to sit there and figure it out um so yeah but uh, again, just listen to it and see how it flows. Because I'm going to listen to it. I'll get on Skype probably later on and just let it play, see how it sounds. Um, and if I think of anything to tell you, I'll, I'll send you a message or whatever and be like, ah, you might want to cut this part out. It's just, you know, yeah. like, so. But um, yeah, just because you're going for the, the audio only, it should be fine, actually. But like you said, trim a couple parts, be all right. So. All right, man. Um, well, I'm going to stop recording now. Intro again. So, um, that's all. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we'll probably just cut that whole thing. I just, you know, it was something to kind of break the ice a little bit. We don't have to do that. I mean, let's just jump right in. Um, make it natural. You know, I, I like it better that way. You and I aren't radio personalities. You know, we're just a couple of horror geeks who love fucking horror and if that appeals to other people then then that's great yeah um i do definitely want to get a female perspective at some point um i think it's important um and i think it'll be a lot more interesting for the general audience but yeah we are right at two hours um so i will get on the editing and i'll let you know as soon as uh i have it all chopped up and Okay. I'll send you the final product and yeah, you you take a look at it and yeah, if you see anything you were like, oh yeah, dude, take that out or whatever, let me know. Again, with the editing, if you just don't want to do it or you don't feel blah blah blah, just let me know. Then I can, you know. But with that, you and I have to be right on the same page about what you want. So, but whatever. Have at it, man. See what happens. So all right, brother. Thank you for uh doing this. Uh on a Monday, I, I do have to get up super early, so I'm going to get going, but right. I appreciate you. Uh, you're one of my best friends, man. I'm, I'm not going to lie. And I don't have, I don't have a whole lot of friends, you know, and, uh, fine, it's man. nice to have somebody I consider a friend, you know, doing something like this with me. So. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, man. Um, but yeah, no, I thank you for, uh, wanting to do this and, uh, get some rest, man, get some rest and stay out of the woods. All right. <laughs> stay scared. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, bro. Take Talk care. <clears throat>